Today, I have a friend of mine who has been in Indonesia, I just found out today, since 1960. Uh, he actually had to, uh, he had to uh, translate his uh, sermon from Bahasa into English. Uh, so he was disappointed that he couldn't speak in Bahasa. Uh, I'm disappointed that I can't speak in Bahasa, but there's a difference. Uh, but he's a good friend of mine. He loves Indonesia. His name is Keith Sorbo. Please come, Keith, and share the Word of God with us. Now, Keith is, uh, Keith is Italian. So, like, you know, we're Goombas, you know. We're Goombas. So, so he'll appreciate uh, our Budaya here in, uh, in, in this church. <laughs> that was great. That was awesome. That was awesome. He, Tom that's really good. He beat me to the punch or the slap, you might say. That's the Italian slap. I got the Italian slap. All right. I didn't see that one coming at all. Good morning. Can I get a little bit closer? There we go. Wah, senang sekali bisa berada bersama-sama dengan saudara pada pagi hari ini. Gimana ya? Soalnya sepanjang sepanjang tiga, tiga minggu lebih saya berbahasa Indonesia tapi oh I guess I have to speak in English this morning. No. It is really it is really kind of it is great. I met Don and Carol oh I guess just a couple months after you guys got in Indonesia at the Hartensfeld's house in Surabaya and I have been following from afar. Uh, what the Lord has been doing here at, at ICC in Bali. And uh, I just think it's cool that I got a chance to be with you and to share with you from the Word this morning. I'm not going to go uh, and just talk about all stuff. I just want to go straight to the Word because I think the Word has some really good things to say to us this morning. So if you don't mind, get those things up on the screen that I have. And I just want to talk to you this morning from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I'm calling it this morning, Four Great Encouragements. Some, actually, some material that I uh, shared from a great man of God name of Dr. George Wood. So those of you who know who he is, um, I want to talk to you this morning. And I actually had thought previously to read the entire scripture. But I think what I'm going to do is just read the scripture as I go through, as I go through. Now, you know, in this world, everybody has problems. And um, I don't know if you have a special place, but if you don't have problems and you've never had problems, then I'd like to meet you after the service. Could we meet in the Oak Room? <laughs> I think that would be enough, big enough to meet for just the people who don't have, ever have problems. The fact of the matter is everybody has problems. And it's, it's not, it's not, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be amazed if you love God if you are serving God and you have difficulty. In fact, the Apostle Paul, and we could talk a long time about all the problems that he had, but, but everybody has difficulty. And Paul, and I think it's probably maybe the, the, the peak of, this, of the letter of the book of Romans, and it's one of his greatest books that he's written, at the peak of the book of Romans, he goes in and he, then he starts talking about, he starts using words like groaning, like suffering, gro words that, that just kind of, you know, 
on a Sunday morning where everybody's jumping up and down. By the way, I didn't do much jumping up and down. I'm kind of past that, Don. I don't know. Actually, I probably really wasn't ever into it, but it's okay. The fact of the matter is, you could be here this morning with a smile on your face. Of course, I can't see half of your faces because they're closed with your mask. That's okay, too. But you could be here, and when somebody comes up to you and say, how are you doing? And of course, you're in church, right? So you can say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing great. Everything's just wonderful. But the fact of the matter is, life isn't always like that, is it? And so if you read through this chapter, this section, verses 18 through 29, if you read through, you're going to read words like suffering, groaning, weakness. The fact of the matter is, if you're a believer, even if you're a believer, you live in a world that is not yet redeemed. Now, I'm going to use that's kind of a fancy word. It's kind of a, a Bible-type word. But basically what it means is this. It means that we are in a world that is still under the control of the enemy of our souls. You know that. I mean, you don't have to go very far. I appreciated what our sister said uh, here this morning about the spirits. And, you know, when you come to Bali, you, you do feel that kind of thing, don't you? But, it, but, but it's everywhere. We live in a world that the Bible says, is under the control of the enemy of our souls. Now, I'm thankful to the Lord that my soul is not under the control of the enemy of the, of the world. I'm thankful to the Lord that Jesus said that I've come to build this kingdom, and the kingdom of God is starting to grow. It's growing. It's growing here. It's growing in your life. It's growing in so many places in the world. But, but we still live in a world that the enemy, and that I'm talking, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Satan. Satan is still in charge of the world in general. So don't be surprised. The other thing, in fact, I think you want to go to the next, yeah, we're going to go to the next, that it, it's just the way it is. And then the other thing is that every person who tries to live for the Lord is going to face difficulty. And I have the scriptures here from Matthew chapter 5. I'm not going to read them, but it, you know, it says, Blessed are you when all men uh, revile you and persecute you. That's what that scripture says. But there's other scriptures. For example, in, chapter, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 12, the scripture says that everyone who tries to live a holy life will experience persecution. Now, friends, I'm sorry. I, if I could just wave a wand, if I could just snap my fingers and everything would be wonderful, well, I can't do that. You know that. Nobody can do that. Even Jesus himself, and this is a whole nother story for a whole nother experience, Jesus himself did not come and just wipe away everything that was difficult in the world. Jesus actually suffered Jesus actually died on the cross because that is the solution to the difficulty that we face today. So don't be surprised. Paul says in another place, don't be surprised if you experience all kinds of difficulties in your life. That's just the way it is. Now, I do have a good word for you, by the way, and that's not a part of the outline of this sermon, but it's a part of what we're living for, that the truth of the matter is there is coming a day when everything is going to be turned around, when Jesus Christ is going to come out of heaven, Jesus Christ is going to meet us in the air, and everything that we've suffered through, well, well, let's just move right on because that's actually my first point. Move to the next screen. 
the scripture says, and here, and here, and so in spite of all these difficulties that we experience, in spite of all these sufferings, in the book of Romans here, Paul gives us four very easy to remember thoughts that I want you to take home with if you feel like you don't qualify to meet with me after service in the group of people that have no problems. By the way, I'm not sure I'll be there because Don wants to take me out for Italian food this afternoon. I don't know. Is that where, is that where we're going? He promised me lunch. I don't know. <laughs> and actually, Don, I, I, I just tell you this right up in front. I, I was thinking on the airplane yesterday, coming in, I was thinking of spaghetti. And so you know where they took me? Me Aya. But I like me Aya. <laughs> I, actually, I actually really do like me Aya. <laughs> but no, here, here's four great encouragements that you can think about. Number one, the first thing to think about when you're suffering difficulty, when you are feeling like the world is crushing in upon you, I want you to think about the wonderful glory that we will experience one day when Jesus comes, to, comes back. Now, if you have your Bible, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, and I'm actually going to read starting in Romans 8, verse number 18. Here's what it says. You, yet, what we suffer now is nothing to be compared to the glory that he will give us later. Verse 19, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, everything on earth is subjected to God's curse. That's what I was talking about a moment ago. Everything in this world, even the physical world, even the physical world. You know what? I'm not going to preach on ecology this morning, and I'm not necessarily a promoter, I'm not a, I'm not a protester, but you know what? Our world, our physical world, is in real deep difficulty, not just, not just us people, but even, I mean, look at all the difficulty we're in, and yet the Bible says even the world in some way that I don't fully understand is groaning and struggling like Make me the way you had me in the beginning. The world is kind of saying, make me like the Garden of Eden. And by the way, by the way, it's going to happen that way. And I, I, I want you to recycle, and I want you to be, conserve, and I want you to do everything you can. And I want to do everything I can to preserve the world the way we have it. But the Bible promises one day it's going to be a whole new heaven and a whole new earth. And I'm looking forward to that day. So the Bible, and, well, I'm, I'm preaching, I should be reading the scripture. Verse 21, all creation, 21 says, anticipates the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. That's fantastic. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And even we Christians, although we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, also groan to be released from the pain and suffering too. We too wait anxiously for the day when God will give us our full rights as his children, including the new bodies. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm looking around. I'm looking around. I don't see too many 70-year-olds. Any 70-year-olds here this morning? Okay. You're 70? I don't believe it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be I'm going to be 70 next month and I'm looking forward to the day when 
Every morning I wake up, my back doesn't ache. But seriously, seriously, it's something I'm looking forward to. It really is. And so the Bible says, 24, now that we are saved, we eagerly look forward to his freedom, for if you already have something, you don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must yet wait patiently and confidently. Now, coming back to the to this screen here, you see, here's the deal. We are groaning. We are suffering. But it's not groaning in death. It's groaning in childbirth. Now, <clears throat> the Lord has not gifted me with the privilege of childbirth. Okay? One guy got it. The rest of you didn't get it. I told them. I told you. My jokes. They don't get my jokes. They don't get mine either. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Maybe it's, well, I'm half Italian. The other half's Greek. Uh, Here's the deal. Uh, I've, I've never had it. I've never given birth to a child. Okay. Yeah. Uh, have any of you given birth to children? Could you raise your hand? If you've given birth, you've given birth. We got some counseling. We can, for our brother here in the front row. <laughs> he needs help. He needs help. <laughs> Do I need to speak in Bahasa for you? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I, I was with my wife when she gave birth to our, our only son. It wasn't a pleasant time for her. And I know for you mothers who have given birth, I, I know. I mean, I, I've witnessed it, but I've not experienced it. It's not. Get childbirth, even at the best, is not pleasant. And some of you ladies, I, I don't know, but I'm sure some of you ladies have had very difficult births. Here's the thing that I know about childbirth. Now, I didn't experience the physical process and pain of childbirth, but I experienced the same thing that my wife experienced when that baby was laid first on my wife's bosom, and then <laughs> my son is bigger than I am, okay? I mean, he really is. But he was only six pounds. He was like two and a half kilos when he was born. And he was so small that they had to wrap him in a blanket so that we could actually get a hold of him. When my son was born, there was a joy that I experienced and that my wife experienced. And I think every one of you ladies can say amen. And only the ladies that have ever given childbirth can say amen at this point. Could you say amen about the joy that you experienced when you held that baby for the first time? Isn't that true? Yeah. Okay, see, the ladies said amen. And, and those of you men, just keep quiet for a moment. Okay? Here's the thing. Paul tells us this. When you are groaning, remember, this is not death groaning. This is not, oh, I can't, oh, this is awful. No, this is the groaning. Yes, it's not easy. Yes, it's not pleasant. But when we one day stand with Jesus, when we one day see his face, when we one day experience the new heaven and the new earth, and when our salvation, the struggle that we experience in our, in our spiritual lives, when we struggle to live right for the Lord, when that is all fulfilled, my friends, then I tell you what, then I tell you what, it's not going to be worth comparing. Yeah. 
because the scripture says, that's okay, that's okay, it's the scripture, it's not what I'm saying, it's the scripture. Read it yourself if you don't believe me. The scripture says the glory, the joy, the wonder that we will experience in that day, we can't compare it. Now, like I said, I didn't give birth physically, but I honestly, and I'm guessing, Don, you experienced the same thing. The first time, I don't know what it's like to hold a second child because I've only got one, but the first time I held my, my child, it, I'd never experienced anything like that before. The love, and it was like, I knew people talked about it, and those of you that haven't had kids yet don't know what we're talking about, but I, know, I knew that the love, I mean, I knew that it, they say they talk about it, oh, by the way, grandchildren are much better than children if, if you have an experience <laughs> somebody told me if I knew how great being a grandparent was what was I would have just forgotten about having children just go straight to grandchildren <laughs> friends I don't know what color your passport is I don't know what your katepe says so happens mine says United States of America Yours may say Indonesia, it may say Australia, it may say whatever kind of passport you have. But here's the thing, we are not really citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. And, <laughs> I don't, oh boy, uh, the difficulties of going to the immigration office. <laughs> those, those of you who live here in Indonesia, uh, but when you go to America and you try to go to American immigration, I know it's probably even more difficult than it is here in we are not citizens here. We're citizens. Let's look at the next slide. Here's the second thing that Paul tells us. The first thing is, yeah, we're struggling, but it's struggling because one day we're going to have a phenomenal experience of glory. The second thing Paul tells us in verse 26 and verse 27 is this. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our distress. For when we don't even know what we should pray for or how we should pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in word. And the Father who knows our heart knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Holy Spirit pleads with us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now, friends, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The Holy Spirit knows every single thing you are going through when you were born again and by the way by the way the things we're talking about here are really for those who have loved who know God and have accepted him as their as their lord and savior it doesn't mean you have to be perfect but it does mean you've opened your heart and you've said lord be my lord so when you, the very first moment that you said, Lord, be my Lord, come in and live in my life, the, the Bible promises the Holy Spirit came and lived in, and still lives inside of you. Now you're facing difficulty and, and you feel like you're up against a wall. You feel like you don't know where to go. Jalan Buntu. You have no idea where God, what, what is God doing? Here's the deal. You may not know it, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly what God is doing in your life. I don't know all the time. Obviously, we don't know. And here, by the way, by the way, 
A lot of times we want to know why things happen in our lives. We want to know why this happened, why that happened. Why did my why did why is my baby ill? Why is my mother why does my mother have cancer? Why is that young mother and I, a friend, actually it's a distant relative of mine, uh, uh, this young mother who was still expecting, uh, had they, they diagnosed breast cancer, she couldn't ex receive treatment because she was still expecting, and she gave birth, and sadly within a few months she passed away. We asked why, 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 Lord? You know what? God doesn't always tell us why. But here's the thing, he is right there praying with us. And I honestly believe, and you probably have experienced this, and if you haven't, you will. There are times when you are feeling the groaning is so tough, it's so difficult, you don't even know what to pray. I got news for you. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to pray. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit is praying and wait a minute. Uh, now, this is for those of you that have seen American TV or American commercials. Um, in America, they have all these infomercials, you know? And this, the, the guy that, I don't even remember the guy's name, but this guy that's famous, he always says, but wait, there's more, after you think you've got, but wait, there's more. There is more, friends. Not only is the Holy Spirit who lives in you, praying for you, interceding for you, talking to God for you, and, and I didn't read the verse yet, but if you look down in verse number 34, the scripture said, for there is another one, his name is Jesus Christ, he's not, he, of course he's come into your heart, the scripture says, he is sitting on the right hand of God, interceding for you, so you have not just one member of the church, Trinity. You have two members of the Trinity. The Spirit who lives in you is praying for you with groanings that you can't fully understand and utter. And Christ, who is in heaven, seated right next to God, the Scripture says, is constantly interceding for you. Wow. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. When you don't even know you have a problem, I honestly believe, and, and I know this doesn't say it directly in this scripture, but I believe it's not incorrect if, if I would interpret this scripture to say, even before you know you're going to have a problem, the Holy Spirit is already interceding for you. I really believe that. So, yeah, yeah, there's groanings. Yeah, yeah, there's suffering. Yeah, yeah, there's difficulty. But here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is right there with you. And he is an expert prayer. <laughs> Not prayer, but prayer. He knows how to pray. And he's praying for you. Well, actually, that's probably enough, right? I promised four. That's two. But I actually got two more because the scripture has, the scripture, the third thing, go ahead and turn up the next scribe. The scripture says God is working for our good. And I'm going to read verse 28 and 29 from the scripture. Verse 28 and 29 says this. For we know and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son could be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. Now, here's what God promises us. God promises 
that no matter what happens in your life, good or bad, he's going to make something good come out of it. Now, understand, this doesn't mean everything that happens is good. Okay, remember what I said at the very beginning? We're still living in a fallen world. We're still living where the devil is in control of the world. And the devil, Satan, is going to do everything in his power to discourage you, to knock you down, to, to, to make you, to keep you from being victorious in Jesus Christ. So, yeah, bad stuff happens. It happens. When tornado, when, well, we don't have tornadoes in Indonesia, but we have earthquakes. We have tsunamis, we have volcanoes, we have sickness, we have, we have pandemics. Oh, hallelujah. Puji Tuhan. Here's the deal. When Corona-19 came, Christians got sick just like non-Christians. People who love God died just like everybody else. So it doesn't mean it's good, but what it does mean is that, that God will take anything and everything in your life and in a way that only He knows will work it out to bring something good. Now, I want you to get this, and I, I underlined it on the screen there. It says, we have to understand there's a difference between what we know and what we feel. Actually, one of the songs we sang earlier, that, that uh, Waymaker song, there's a, there's a little phrase in there, and I, I don't have all these songs memorized, but, but it's, it's, not, it's not what I'm feeling, it's what I know. And as a believer, you really got to practice your knower. <laughs> your knower. <laughs> uh, that's a little bit of, I don't know, English is the second language for a lot of you, so you got to practice your knower. We, we're really good with our feelers, you know. We're good feelers, but sometimes we forget our knowers. What is it that we know? We know for sure, and again, I'm talking, I'm talking to those of you who know Jesus as your Savior, and if you don't yet, have you haven't yet accepted Jesus as your Savior, this is, this is wide open. It's op the opportunity is there for you, but here's the thing. I know for a fact Jesus died on the cross. I know that he was raised on the third day, and I know that because of that, I am saved, and I know that no matter what the enemy of my soul tries to send my way, I know that Jesus is still my Savior. I know, I know <laughs> every time, Don Carroll, when I leave the States to come to Indonesia, I tell my wife where all the bank is, all the bank accounts are. I take care of the money at home. I ride lots of planes. My ministry right now, I, I, I live in the U.S. I come to Indonesia for five or six weeks, seven weeks, and minister all across Indonesia, and most of the time I ride Lion Air. I don't know what that means, but um, <laughs> thank the Lord. I trust the Lord. He's good. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. But I always tell my wife, okay, here's where all the bank accounts are. So, you know, if something happens and I can't make it home, well, she knows she can live well in her retirement, you know. It's, it's kind of funny, but it, and it really, it's not a problem. It really isn't a problem. If, obviously, I don't want to go down. I've got, I've got an eight-year-old granddaughter. She is really cool. I mean, you know, 
I want to see her. I'd like to see her graduate from high school if the Lord doesn't return. But, but if something happens to me, it doesn't matter why, because I know, I know. Sometimes we don't see the answer. Go to the next screen, will you? I want to tell you a story about a man by the name of J.W. Tucker. Those of you that know a little bit about U.S., about missions, probably heard this man's name, and I, my time's running out, so i got to tell the story quick. J.W. Tucker was a missionary to Africa. Back in the early 60s, he and his family went to Africa, and uh, they were ministering in the country uh, of Congo. And, you know, even today, Congo is not a real wonderful place in the sense of a lot of darkness, but, of course, in those days, it's considered the dark continent. Thank the Lord, Africa today is one of the most Christian continents in our world. Thank the Lord for men and women who like J.W. Tucker. But the story, i got to tell it, tell it quickly. J.W. Tucker and his family went to Africa. I happened to know some of his children. They're my age. We were in college together. So this is really a real true story. They administered in Congo for a number of years. And if, if any of you remember, those of you who studied or remember a little bit about the Mau Maus, that, that was a tribe, a group of terrorists in Africa. They actually captured J.W. Tucker. They let his family go free. But at a moment when the government military were pursuing these guerrilla, the Mau Mau guerrillas, they were concerned that they would be captured, so they actually killed J.W. Tucker, and they told someone to take his body and throw it in a place far from where they hid, and they threw it in a river, a big river called Bomokandi, the Bomokandi River. And J.W. Tucker's body was never recovered. It was actually devoured, consumed by the uh, crocodiles there in the, in the river. I remember, because I went to college, like I said, I went to college with his kids, and I remember in college, you know, meeting one of, a couple of his kids, and we were all so sad. Why did J.W. Tucker have to be martyred? Why did he have to die for being a missionary in Africa? Why? And you know what? A lot of times we don't know why. And by the way, as I told you earlier, God usually doesn't tell you why. Once in a long, long while, God will let us see how he works things together for good. Most of the time, he doesn't. Well, I knew about J.W. Tucker when I was in college. I knew about him, but I didn't know the rest of the story. Because a number of years, about 14 or 15 years after Tucker was killed, he was killed in the late 60s, about 14 or 15 years after Tucker was killed, uh, there was another, another group of rebels that came and was attacking a tribe that lived on the banks of the Bomakandi River. Now, I got to tell you, there had been missionaries that had gone to this tribe many, many times, and they were very, very resistant to the gospel. They didn't want to hear. But one day, they were being attacked, so they sent to the, they sent to the central government, send us some troops, and, and so the government sent some troops. The troops actually stationed themselves there right near where these people were living. And the man who was the leader of these troops, 
Uh, I don't know his name. They just called him the brigadier. The brigadier, turns out he was a Christian. Now, <laughs> God works kind of funny sometimes, doesn't he? Turns out when this man, who is now a military leader, was a young man, <laughs> guess what? He was discipled by none other than J.W. Tucker. So now he's leading these, he's leading these military who are, who are guarding this tribe. And one day, one day, he heard this saying. He heard the people who lived near the Bomokandi River. He heard they had this saying. And the saying was this. Listen to the testimony of the one whose blood flows in your river. Well, so he called in all the leaders, the, 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 the chieftains of the tribe. He called them all in, and he sat them down, and he said, Now, I heard that you have this saying. Pay attention to the one who's to the testimony whose blood flows, whose blood flows in your river. He says, What's the meaning of this saying? They looked at him and says, We have no clue. We don't know. Well, Jada, uh, the, the brigadier said, I know. And so he began to tell them the story of how J.W. Tucker was martyred and died, and his blood literally flowed in their river. Now, <laughs> Paul said what? For we know that God works what? All things. Mrs. Tucker didn't feel like God was doing good when her husband was killed. His kids, who are my age, who were in college with me, who sang in the choir with me when I was in college, they didn't feel like God was working together. But you know what? God was doing something. And you know what happened? That man who was a military official, that man who was discipled by J.W. Tucker when he was a young people, became an evangelist that day. And now there is a thriving church among the tribes that live on the shore, on the banks of the, of the Bomokani River. God works all things together for our good. It's a phenomenal thought. There's one more thing. Number four. God is on our side. God is on our side. And I'm going to read some verses that I know that you've heard many times, but I think they're worth reading over and over again. Verse 31. For what can we say about such wonderful things? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God who gave us Christ also give us everything else? Well, the answer is, of course. Who dares accuse us? whom God has chosen for his own. Well, God, no, he's the one who's given us right standing with himself. Who will condemn us? Well, Jesus Christ, no, for he's the one who died for us and is raised, raised to life for us and is sitting at the, at, at the place of highest honor next to God pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Verse 35, can every, anything ever separate us from God's love? Verse 35, can anything ever separate us from God's love? Hello? Can anything ever separate us from God's love? Hello? Of course not. And then he begins in those verses to list things. He lists things from the physical world. So I put some things up here. Trouble, calamity, 
persecution, hunger, cold, danger, death, COVID-19, volcanoes, tsunamis, airplane crashes. No, nothing, nothing physical. But then he goes on, it's not just the physical that can't affect our relationship of love with God, it's the spiritual world. In the spiritual world, he goes on and says, can death, can life, can angels, can demons, can our fears for today, can our worries about tomorrow, even the powers of hell, my friend, cannot keep God's love from you. Here's the thing. Get it. Write it down. If Jesus lives in your heart, if you know God, if Christ is your personal Savior, it doesn't matter what kind of groanings. It doesn't matter what kind of difficulties. Nothing Nothing, 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 nothing can separate you from God's love. And then, look at the last slide. And then he uses a really weird word. Now, I generally don't use Greek, because, you know, the New Testament was written in Greek. I generally don't use Greek when I preach, but I just felt like I wanted to put this word up on the screen. Can you see the word there? Can you read that? Hypernikomen. Now, when I was driving up yesterday from the airport, I saw something that you probably have gone to. It's called what? Starts with H Y P E R. Hypermart. What does Hypermart mean? Now, it's not so hyper anymore, but when Hypermart first came to Indonesia, it was a big thing. So, what does hyper mean? It means extra, over the top. We have hyperactive. We have uh, uh, all kinds of hyper stuff. Okay, well now, so that we understand that hyper part, but now there's another part of that word that ha the root of it is Nikomen or Nike. I, I didn't wear, my, I actually don't wear Nikes. I wear the one with the N on them, but I didn't wear my Nikes today. These are actually just as comfortable. Do you have any idea what Nike means? Do you know what Nike means? No idea? You don't know. Do you know why that guy who put that swoosh mark on those shoes, do you know why he picked that? These are not Nikes. Are yours Nikes? I don't know. No. You know what Nike means? Nike literally means conqueror. Conqueror. So the Bible says in that last verse, we are literally more than victors. We're more than conquerors. Well, you know, I've read that verse all my life, and I get a little bit confused. You know, if you win, you win, right? I mean, like in a, in a soccer match, in a, in a, in a, you know, it won nothing is won nothing. It's still win. Win is win. But you know what? There's something special about really, really good teams. The thing that's special about really, really good teams is they not just win at home. I mean, if you win in your home stadium, that's eh, kind of normal. You know, most teams can generally have a winning record in their home stadium. But you know what? The really good teams, they win in the opponent's home stadium. Hello? Where are we? Where are we? We are right in the middle of the opponent's home playing field. We are right in the middle of the enemy's territory. And you know what the Bible says? We are not just winners. We are 
more than winners. Why? Because even when we are in the opponent's territory, and you may feel like you go out tomorrow morning and you, you face that, that race, that, 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 that challenge to be able to win the victory in, in your personal life, in your family's life. I want to tell you, my friends, if Jesus is living in your life, you are not just victors, you are more than victors because you can win not just when you're in church and everybody's shouting and having a great time. You can win when you're out there on the playing field where the enemy is doing everything in his power to knock you down. You are more than conquerors. So, yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. There's a lot of groaning. <laughs> There's a lot of difficulties. There's a lot of pain. And the enemy's going to do everything in his power to try to knock you down. And he may actually knock you down a time or two. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because we are more than conquerors. And just remember the glory. And just remember who's praying for you. And just remember that God is working behind the scene. And just remember that God is on your side and nothing anybody or the enemy can do will ever be able to have victory as long as you're in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know who you are. I've met Don and Carol before. I don't think I've met any of the rest of you. So I have no clue what's going on in your lives. Okay, so there. <laughs> I have no clue what's going on. Even then, I don't have any clue what's going on in your life. But if you're in the middle of difficulty, if you're in the middle of struggling, I want you to take home, not my words. All I did was paraphrase what the Bible said. Uh, you read the verses yourself. When you're in difficulty, remember, when a woman's giving birth, it's painful. But when that child is laid on her chest, it feels like all the pain. It's not that you don't remember the pain. The pain's still there. But it's worth it, isn't it? And one day, one day, the pain's going to be all gone. And that victory that God gives us the ability to win here and now, it'll be complete. If you're dif in difficulty today, or you know what? If you don't know Jesus today, Jesus wants to be, wants to be this, what I've shared with you. Jesus wants to be that for you today. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, I have no clue what's going on in the lives of my brothers and sisters. I have no clue of the difficulties. I know just because these are people, I know that in a crowd this size, there's lots of people who are groaning in their hearts. They're suffering and they don't know what's going on. But God, remind them, remind them that there's nothing, nothing, and nothing, nothing that can ever separate them from God's love. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that the power of the word will take root in the hearts of every one of us. And Lord, even if we're not suffering difficulty today, it could be next week or next month, something terrible will happen. Lord, let us remember that the groaning and the suffering are nothing to be compared with what we will experience when we meet you. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.